This week in Revolt Black News, we hit representation. Because we know that as we change the game, sadly, some shit stays the same. And we want to be clear, when we talk about ownership, we're not talking about ownership of businesses or brands. No, we're talking about ownership of our voices, of our message, and for damn sure, of our people. So let's take our phones, for example, right? We see our texts, our emails, our social media apps. These are all things that we see, we hear, and we use, right? But where are our voices on these platforms? Oftentimes tucked in the corners or on the periphery. And see y'all, that's ridiculous because there's over 42 million of us in this country right now. And we should never be regulated to small corners or limited spaces. When in fact, we have the capacity and should be taking up every ounce of space in the entire room. So yes, ownership matters and it matters a lot. But changing the narrative, see, that costs zero capital, and it's something we can do right now. So I'm going to ask you this. Where is your voice? Where is your message? Because your people, they're right here. And we for damn sure are not stuck in a corner. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now today is all about representation because we know as things currently stand, it's either woefully inadequate or sometimes downright ridiculous. Now for our first interview, I'm gonna hand things off to Revolt fam, Rodney Rakai. Rodney's gonna have a conversation with NASCAR drivers, Bubba Wallace and his protege, Raja Karuth because we know that the mentor-mentee relationship is critical and pivotal to making sure that representation carries us into the future. Thanks, Rodney. Ebony, thank you for that warm introduction, beloved. You are appreciated. Revolt family, recently I had an opportunity to sit down with two game-changing NASCAR drivers, the first of which, Bubba Wallace, you may have heard his name a time or two, but he also brought with him his mentee, brother Raja Karuth, who is from DC, but also currently a student at Winston-Salem State University. Now they were here on behalf of McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentorship Program, which they are both a part of. And these two black men are ushering in a brand new wave in NASCAR, a sport and culture that for far too long acted like they did not want us up in there. Cause y'all know once we in the building, we take it over. It was a special, special conversation. Let's take a look. Good brothers, first and foremost, how you doing today? I'm good, brother, how are you? Good, man, I'm good. Raja, how you feeling? I'm great, man, no complaints, what about you? I'm solid, man. So, like I said, you haven't had a chance to be on campus yet, so I won't give you the A&T uh, Ram hazing, but I will say it's a beautiful decision you made to go to an HBCU, man. Even though it was one about 15 miles southern, maybe than where you should have landed, it's a, it's a life-changing decision. So congratulations to you, man. Appreciate that, Ronnie. So my, our coach Horton at Rev Racing, he, uh, he went to A&T too. So we already got that little that beef going on. So Aggie pride. Um, All right. So let's talk about the thing that we are actually here for today. You guys are a part of a program that has very strong branding and marketing, man. I think it's a phenomenal name. Uh, the McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentorship Program that, bought you two, that brought you two together. Can you talk to us about it and, and, and what it's been like so far? Yeah, I'm loving it. It's uh, you see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> uh, this has been a uh, this has been a really cool deal. McDonald's has been a part of my career for a handful of years, and and seeing Raja come on board 
and being able to be a, be a mentor through the Black and Positively Golden Mentors Program, like you had mentioned, has been a lot of fun. And, you know, they actually do a lot with HBCUs. So that's that's really, really special, too. So they're trying to just impact the next generation um, and, and influence the change makers and, and being bold and getting out there and, and uh, making a difference. And, you know, we're, we're making a difference in our profession and everyday lives. And so we're trying to encourage others as well. And, and it's, uh, it's been a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. I'm sure. Raja, how about for you? What's it been like? Yeah, definitely. Rodney, you know, being a part of, you know, McDonald's, uh, black and positively, black and positively golden program. There we go. You can tell he's new. So oh, we'll we get him right. <laughs> No, nah, but it's, it's been great. You know, Bubba's been a great resource to me ever since, you know, I met him for the first time a couple of years ago, going through the, the ranks that I've gone through so far. Um, he's been a big help to me and just making sure I make the right steps and do what I'm supposed to do and just, you know, stay open-minded and, and trust the process. For sure. Bubba, you grew up in a sport that didn't have anyone who looked like you. Um, where did you find inspiration to want to wanna keep going? And then what does it feel like to now, you know, be a, a source of inspiration and aspiration, both of you actually, for, for young black boys and girls who aspire to be drivers and hit that NASCAR track someday? Yeah, I didn't know that you had to have somebody look like you to be a part of something that you wanted to do, you know? I, I mean, just, yeah, representation, representation certainly helps us fish out, you know, the things that we believe are achievable for ourselves, for sure. Right, right. I'm saying I've never seen it that way. Yeah, and okay. I, just, I just kept doing it I, I loved racing and having fun and traveling and and uh everything that it entailed and so you know i never seen it as man maybe i'm not allowed here or i don't belong here because there's no one else it was just like man if we're good we're gonna go out and race you know yeah. and get, get these dubs and so that was uh that was big and so that's just kind of how i've carried myself you know we're here now we've been in the cup series my fourth year in the cup series um, and excited and, and honored to be where I'm at right now, you know, with, with partnerships like McDonald's, brand new race team with 2311, with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Yep. You know, we're, we're having a lot of fun. You know, we're getting through the growing pains, but we're making the most of it. That's all you can do is just make the most, like Raja said, trust the process and, um, and, and make everything positive. Raja, you were one of six drivers in the NASCAR's Drive for Diversity Development Program. How was that experience for you, and what was the process like to be involved in that program? Yeah, being in, in the National Drive for Diversity program has been awesome. This is my third year in the program so far, and um, we, we learn a lot in terms of not only, you know, on the racetrack, but being at the race shop, whether it's working on our cars, getting physically right, you know, and just being here, it's been awesome. And um, having a, a great group of teammates with, with you know, five. I, I feel like I'm the, the old guy now, but really it's uh, – I've, I've been driven driving race cars for less or less time than everybody else in the program. So – um, but overall, directly, man, it's, uh, it's been really fun and I've learned a lot. Okay. Uh, for, for young black boys and girls out there who aspire to, you know, be on that NASCAR track someday, what do you think the first step that they should take in achieving that goal should be? Ooh. Um, we'll be sure to get breakfast at McDonald's first <laughs> and then on the way out of the racetrack, stop by there for, for some, a 10 piece nugget. For sure. Uh, okay. But honestly, you know, with everything that's going on right now and the direction that the sport's heading in, um, you just got to go out and do it. You just got to go out and have fun. And I know that's easy to say, just go out and do it. Do what? Go out and be yourself. Go out and do what you know how to do and be proud of what you know how to do. You know, as long as it's the right way and, right. and, and you know, too brash or, or, or that crosses the line, 
and go out and have fun and make an example of, of who you are and show the world who you are. Um, you know, we're, we're given an opportunity in life to figure out who we are as people. And uh, the crazy thing is, is that we don't know if we ever find out what our purpose is in life. That's crazy to think about. Crazy like, thought. Who, who knows if I'm supposed to be driving race cars, you know? Yeah. Um, who knows what my second calling will be? Live life and whatever happens, make the most of it. Maybe you'll be a running back. You got running back shoulders. I think that uh, <laughs> I, can see you. I can see you. I formation. Football one year when I was five and never did it again. Nah. Nah. Pads or, or flag? Uh, pads. Yeah, I was nose guard. I can see that for you. You, you, you. you were like a little husky kid a little bit. You had a little size on you? Uh, no, nah, not really. Okay. <laughs> nah, that's crazy. Oh, so you were just ass. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Raja, you're a little bit closer to your starting point. This is our last question here. You're a little closer to your starting point um, in this industry. Uh, so for, for young black kids out there who are going to watch your interviews and say, man, that guy, I love his, I love his chain. I love his t-shirt. I love his Duke starting five haircut. I want to know the first thing that he did to get started in this industry. What's the first thing that you're going to tell him that you did to uh, start this dream? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I got to say, I, I peeped the Kendrick uh, poster in the back, but um, def definitely... I mean, to, to, when you have that obsession, you have that passion, yeah. you know, what, whatever negativity and adversity that comes your way will, will fail in comparison because you, you care about it so much. And that's not just for racing, that's for, for everything. And so um, I was really fortunate to go through the route of sim racing to get into this program. Um, and I know that's, you know, the reality for a lot of kids, not just from D.C., but from Philly, L.A., Brooklyn, you know, you name it. You know, it's, you've got to look at – different ways that, that I've gotten to, to where I'm at now, how William Byron has got the cup, how Bubba's got there and, you know, other drivers and see what's available to you and to, to look for people that are, that are resources. I'm an open book as always. And um, to just look at what's available to you and, you know, how you can make the most of your situation. That's awesome, man. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for being here with me and having this quick conversation. You guys are going to be an integral part of Black Excellence for a long time. And so we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you both. And I hope you get a chance to experience like true campus life. Raja, I mean, you know, you don't even know what it's like to have this, well, to just have a good time on campus. We'll just leave it at that. Just ahead, Ebony returns for a panel on Black publicists and agents to continue the representation conversation. And after this break, Brandon Trutling delivers this week's headlines. More Revolt Black News is just around the corner. Revolt Black News. I'm Brandon Trilling, and these are this week's headlines. The Derek Chauvin trial has begun after postponement due to Chauvin's lawyer asking for the Supreme Court to intervene, which they have denied. In the Supreme Court's denial, they stated, we believe the charge of third-degree murder is fair and appropriate. Jury selection has since commenced with five or 14 jurors selected thus far. Let's take a look. It may be true. I'm not saying this, but you know, that Mr. Floyd was described as a gentle giant. As soon as you start getting into propensity for violence or propensity for peacefulness, I think then we're getting into character evidence. And then that does open the door for the defense to cross-examine about his character for peacefulness. Everything else, how he grew up, some pictures, that he was loved, that he was a wonderful father, brother, nephew, all that stuff I think is permissible. 
obviously we don't go on too long because it distracts from the merits and on what happened. Um, the issues, you know, that were ultimately surrounding his drug use and his drug abuse history do play a very central role in ultimately the, the cause of death. Um, did he have a tolerance for a particular drug? Would that tolerance somehow uh, uh, make levels that were in his system more survivable to him? Does that make sense? And over in Washington, Congress has passed the $1.9 trillion stimulus relief bill of particular interest is the $5 billion carve-out for black farmers, which pays off the debts of disadvantaged black farmers and funds a racial equity commission in the USDA. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham's reaction. Let's watch. In this bill, if you're a farmer, your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African-American, some other minority. But if you're a white person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. What does that got to do with COVID? And here's Congressman Jim Clyburn's response to Senator Graham's statements. Lindsey Graham is from South Carolina. He knows South Carolina's history. He knows what the state of South Carolina and this country has done to black farmers in South Carolina. They didn't do it to white farmers. We're trying to rescue the lives and livelihoods of people. He ought to be ashamed of himself. He knows the history uh, in this country, and he knows what has happened to black farmers. The lawsuit that we've never uh, been able to uh, rectify, we've had so much recalcitrance, Lindsay ought to be ashamed. The United States Department of Agriculture has announced an extension of free lunch through the summer of 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Provisions have been made to expand the areas that summer meals are available for students ages 18 and below. Typically only available for low-income families, free lunch is currently open to all students. Goldman Sachs announced a $10 billion pledge over the course of 10 years to advance racial equity and opportunities for black women. The initiative, one million black women, is set to focus on the advancement of black women aiming for financial gain, job creation, capital, and workforce advancement. The company is partnering with black women-led organizations to better understand the barriers black women face. And across the globe, we have some very sad news to report. Ivory Coast Prime Minister Ahmed Bakayoko has passed away two days after his 56th birthday due to cancer. President Alasawi Owatara released a statement saying the Prime Minister served Ivory Coast with dedication and selflessness. He continued, he was a great statesman, a model for our youth, a personality of great generosity and exemplary loyalty. We extend our deepest condolences to the Bakayuku family and everyone who was near and dear to him. In more international news, the death toll of the explosion that occurred on Sunday at a military base in Equatorial Guinea has reached almost 100 souls. The government has since put the blame on fire started by nearby farmers and negligent military units who mishandled dynamite stock. Human rights lawyers, however, are questioning why military stock was kept in a large city like Bata compared to other countries who keep that type of explosive secluded in desolate cities or areas. And back here in the States, President Joe Biden has announced that the U.S. is set to buy 100 million additional Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Let's take a look. You know, what's clear is this is historic, nearly unprecedented collaboration. During World War II, one of the country's slogans was, 
We are all in this together. We are all in this together. And the companies took that slogan to heart. For example, one automaker didn't have the capacity to build enough Jeeps, a competitor stepped in to help. Competing airline makers teamed up and they produced parts for each other and gave the American pilots, as a consequence of that, control of the skies. Today, we're seeing the same type of collaboration when it comes to getting this virus under control. Now, while the administration and the pharmaceutical companies still need to negotiate production, the additional doses are likely to arrive later in the year. Already produced Johnson & Johnson vaccines, however, will be available as of next week. And on the subject of vaccines, Alaska becomes the first state to lower the vaccine eligibility to all residents over the age of 16. The news comes as Alaska reports that some areas of the state have 90% vaccination rates among seniors. Yesterday, the U.S. Senate confirmed Ohio Representative Marsha Fudge as the new Housing and Urban Development Secretary adding another black woman to the ranks of President Joe Biden's growing cabinet. Vice President Kamala Harris led the swearing in. Let's watch. I'm Marsha Fudge. I'm Marsha Fudge. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Madam Secretary. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, and congratulations to the whole family. The Senate also confirmed Michael Regan to lead the nation's Environmental Protection Agency, making him the first black man to hold the position. Congrats to him and Marsha. All right, that's it for this week's headlines. After this break, Ebony will return to break down entertainment representation in PR and agenting. More Revolt Black news after this. Revolt Black News. Now, in keeping with today's conversation all about representation, we figured we'd dive deep with some black folks that literally work in representation in the entertainment industry. We figure we start off with PR, right? Because you know what they say? Perception is everything. Joining the show is the award-winning publicist himself, Mr. Darian Freshy Perry. Freshy, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you, brother. So listen, uh, for many of us entering to the space of the industry, uh, PR, publicist, those terms are tossed around a lot. But just tell us exactly what is a publicist? What does PR mean for a client? And tell us a bit about what your day to day was like pre-COVID and now. Sure. And that's a great question. I'm glad that you asked that and you started the conversation off with that, because a lot of times people get PR and publicists confused. What I do is public relations, and that's what PR is, and who I am is a publicist. And ultimately, my job is to kind of represent, represent brands, talents in ways that the general public can relate to. Like you said in the introduction, perception. Perception is everything, and my job is protect the perception of my client's narrative and just narrate their stories to the general public. Things have changed a lot <laughs> um, since COVID. Um, and 
it's just it just hasn't been as easy, especially with so many people taking to the internet and trying to tell their own stories or trying to get news out faster. Uh, it's uh, causing a lot of traffic within our jobs. And then also media um, has been displaced. There's been a lot of people who's lost jobs. And so it's it's brought us to a place where instead of me pitching every morning, I'm figuring out how I can pivot the pitch. Indeed. Now, when clients are going through, I guess, an, an interview phase with you, and I know you're also interviewing the client to see if it's a good working fit and relationship, how often, Freshie, are people conveying to you that having a black publicist, a black PR firm represent them. How often are you being told that's important? More so now than ever, given the uh, given the trajectory of 2020 and the Black Lives Matter movement, it's been a lot more important now for a lot of entertainers to, or a lot of brands, or a lot of businesses in general, just to have a black publicist because no one can tell our stories like we can tell our stories. And the reason why no one can tell our stories like we can is because they haven't lived in our shoes. They haven't walked the paths that we walk. They haven't experienced life as we experienced it as a um, as a race, as a community, as a culture. And so I, I am getting a lot of black um, black owned brands or black entertainers coming in their specific in which they're specific in saying that they definitely want a black publicist and they want black representation because it's more than just being popular. It's how we shift culture. How do we make the world know we're not only creating, um, we're not only creating to be entertainment, but we're creating to change the lives of the people that come after us. Freshie brother, that is such a powerful testimony to the work and we appreciate you for all that you do for the culture. All right, we're gonna pick up the conversation about representation this time though with an agent from ICM. This sister is a dope powerhouse in the game. She represents some of the biggest in the industry, from Migos to Rhapsody to Lil Yachty uh, and, and, and then some, right? Uh, we want to welcome to the show, Miss Eve Pierre. Welcome to the show, Eve. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, sis. So here's the deal. When you uh, enter the space as an agent, specifically a concert agent for some of the biggest entertainers in the business, uh, can you just describe what, what your role encompasses, a bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like, and how COVID has changed what your day-to-day -day does look like? Um, I'm pretty much the quarterback um, in the building for my clients. Um, even though, you know, there are specific agents that work in other departments that will handle their projects, mm -hmm. I am the translator. Um, I'm the divester of information. Um, so anything that's going on with the client, anything that's coming, going on with the label, management, I pretty much come inside internally and let everyone know about that so that they can go to their respective buyers, um, you know, other partners and things of that nature, and pretty much educate them on that artist um, as they're putting out music, putting out any new content, releasing anything new. You know, I'm that person that's going to come in and sort of let everyone know that as well as the buyers mm -hmm. that I talk to and my colleagues and my uh, partners, I'm sharing that information as well. COVID's really sort of changed things because, right, we've gone from, you know, no performances to pretty much a halt of nothing. Um, so mm -hmm. it's changed in the sense of I not physically at festivals or physically at shows with my clients, um, but I'm still tasked with finding opportunities and outlets for them to showcase 
you know, mm -hmm. performances. So if it's live streams, whether they be, um, you know, paid sort of things where consumers are paying to see performances or, you know, live streams where, you know, see a lot of festivals have sort of migrated to bringing their things online and they're not charging consumers to sort of view that. I'm still tasked with finding these for my clients um, as it relates to performances, branding opportunities, um, and things that film and TV opportunities and things of that nature. So that idea of my responsibility hasn't changed. It's just now finding mm -hmm. new ways to sort of execute that. Right, new innovations, uh, fantastic. Well, I do know in my home state of, well, not home state, but home base state, I should say, of New York, uh, they are slowly starting to let live events uh, resume. So I, that has to feel pretty exciting right now, right? No, listen, it's, it's, the light is much shinier now at the end of the tunnel. Um, we were just having a conversation about that today with, you know, in our weekly meetings that things are starting to open up. How do you sort of manage expectations? But really excited mm. to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel that things are starting to sort of um, actually happen. Like I think we've seen festivals sort of announce and things of that nature, but like mm -hmm. really we're pretty confident that, you know, you'll start to see more performances with people in venues as opposed to having to watch something from a TV screen or a computer screen. Can you speak a little bit about some of the initiatives uh, inside of uh, your particular agency that uh, are, are taking shape right before our very eyes to make sure that, that there is more diversity uh, at the agency in terms of representation? Um, one thing I am really, really proud about is we were able to create internally an organization that um, was part of was, was part of the checks and balances of that. So internally, a group of mm -hmm. us got together and we created an organization by the name of Diversify ICM. Um, and mm. with that organization, we sat down and had a real looked internally and were honest that there were inequities with some of the systems internally. So in terms of the support systems for, uh, you know, under tiered, um, you know, assistance coordinators and things of that nature. There were inequities there. Um, there were mm -hmm. inequities as it relates to how we actually participate um, in black and brown communities externally. So it was the mm. first step was actually having an honest conversation with ourselves and understanding that we needed yeah. to do more um, and allocated resources to doing that, right? So for an eternal introspect, we've now really sort of doubled down on our mentoring efforts and how we mentor, right. um, you know, as opposed to just having assistants sort of push paper and do all those things. We've been giving them, you know, responsibility in terms of identifying talent, right? And as opposed mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. allowing, uh, as opposed to just having them identify that talent and then turn it over to an agent and lose track of it or lose responsibility of it, we're actually pulling them into signing meetings. Um, and keeping them right. part of the process from initiation and to signing a client and making sure that they're part of growing the team and having conversations with management. Eve, sister, thank you so much for those powerful gems and everything you're doing in the industry to push the culture forward. We appreciate you. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we've got Jaron Keith Gaynor and Jamia Morton for this week's Black Excellence and Entertainment. We've got more of Old Black News after this.
Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm Jerry Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Griot, and I'm here hosting this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. And here to join in on the celebration is an actress and TV personality who recently hosted the NBA All-Star Game, Shamia Morton. Shamia, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. Everything is going amazing, especially since a lot of those out-of-towners have gotten out of our city. <laughs> Let's talk about Brandy, the vocal Bible, the queen. She is starring in a new ABC pilot called Queens, and it follows a four estranged and out-of-touch women in their 40s who reunite for a chance to recapture their fame and regain the swagger that they had as the Nasty Bitches, uh, a 90s group uh, that made them legends in the hip-hop world. Uh, Brandy will play the, the character Naomi and will also help score the original music soundtrack, which is really cool because I love Brandy's voice. What do you think about Brandy in this new show? And it also stars Eve, by the way, so the, the, the cast is already amazing. Let me tell you, I am so for all things Brandy. I've always been a Brandy fan. I grew up singing her songs in talent shows. Even back in the day with her Moesha uh, sitcom, I was here for it. So I'm a super fan of Brandy. And I actually got a chance to work with her on the set of one of um, Tyler Perry's films. Uh, what was it? Lessons of a Marriage Counselor. Uh, at the end, I appear as Lance Gross's new wife. Brandy, I met her on that set, and she was such a sweetheart. So I will always be a fan of hers, and I will support everything she has. And the fact that it's four vibrant ladies approaching 40-something that I'm about to hit, I'm here for it. I'm, I love the storyline, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. I had, a, I had the opportunity to interview Brandy recently because, you know, Cinderella recently went on Disney+. Plus. And she told me that yes. her, uh, she really wants to get into more uh, musicals. And so this is like a pairing of her, her acting and her singing, which we all know that Brandy can sing her butt off. But she's also oh, a great yes. actress as well. So it's like, it's perfect. I can't wait to watch it. So, Shamil, let's also talk about the record label Quality Control, which we know for artists like the Migos and Lil Yachty, and they're getting their own, they're getting into the TV business as well. Quality Control struck a co-production deal, uh, development deal with Trioscope Studios and are hard at work already reportedly on a horror series project about the uh, African-American struggle in America based on a graphic novel. How do you feel about this? Are you going to be checking this one out, too? Absolutely. I feel like quality control, um, being an independent label and starting out how they did, they've come so far. So I really respect their hustle and the mark that they've been able to make in the music industry. And I can only imagine what they're going to do in film and television. And I love the fact that they're, you know, targeting more urban films. And, um, hey, mm -hmm. since it's women's history month right now i'm just i'm trying to plug myself if y'all need a woman up in one of them films quality control hit me up <laughs> uh, i would love to see you in that actually but it also reminds me of back in the day when like hip-hop would do like uh tv productions we saw like master p and damon dash produce a uh, movie project so it's always good to see hip-hop uh, also branching out of the music industry into the tv production industry is really awesome Going from traditional TV to non-traditional TV, we have to talk about the upcoming release of Bronzeville Season 2, which is a six-episode audio-scripted drama series co-produced by Lawrence Fishburne's Cinema Gypsy Productions and Lorenz Tate's Tateman Entertainment. It also stars Kyla Pratt, Makai Pfeiffer, Tika Sumter, among others. Oh. What do you think about this? This is pretty dope. 
Oh, what a dope cast. I mean, they are all so saucy. I mean, Tika Sumter, um, I loved her in the Have and Have Nots. Met her again on uh, yes. Mr. Perry's set. Lawrence Fishburne, you know, he's been in the game since forever. Uh, Kyla Pratt, childhood star. I'm excited about it. I think they're going to do really well. And let's move on to music, Shamia. The weekend, you know, he got snubbed recently from the Grammys. He was not nominated for a Grammy, but he is getting the last laugh, it appears, because his first, he made history recently with the first song to ever spend an entire year in the Hot 100 Top 10 with his single, Blinding Lights. I love Blinding Lights. It just makes me dance. It makes me happy. What do you think about, <laughs> yes. what do you think about this? I would like to say uh, he's winning. I mean, let me tell you, one thing I, I, I must say um, when it comes down to the Grammys or the Oscars, any of these big award shows, um, you can't really rely on, on them to, to give you your flowers. You have to just be confident mm -hmm. in knowing that you put your best work out there and it shows when you're on the top 100. Like, like you said, his song has been a hit for an entire year. That's amazing. So I don't need you to give me a Grammy. The numbers do the, the talking. That's the, that's the magic right mm -hmm. there. So last but not least, we have to talk about Coming to America, which dropped on Amazon Prime. I know you probably watched it. It broke streaming records this past weekend with the most streams in 2021 <laughs> thus far. Did you watch the movie? What do you think about it? Or what did you think about it? Okay, so for me, you know, I like to do everything big. And that is one of my favorite movies of all time. You sweat from a baboon's balls. So... <laughs> I said, I want to have a whole coming to America party, and I couldn't do it this past weekend because of All Star. So myself and a few of my girlfriends, we're going to get together this weekend and wear all of our African priestly robes. I'm sorry, I'm giving you movie lines oh. from the first one. And we're going to, like, just, you know, enjoy the part two of it. I hear they brought back all of the original cast or everybody that was still, you know, able. And um, I hear it's really good. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I haven't been able to watch it either. I've been pretty busy, but everyone seems to love it. Some people have said it's not quite like the first one, but they've enjoyed the experience for what it is. It's, it's a good time for the culture. It's a pandemic. We need this joy, this black joy right now. So I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get some good laughs. I think it's so funny, though, how we're having to stream everything and watch everything from the comforts of our home. Like back in the day, it was like coming to America. Oh, the theater is sold out. Now you can actually buy the entire theater out for a couple hundred dollars. So it's just funny how the times are changing and just how this pandemic has shifted everything. Well, thank you so much, Shamia, for helping me celebrate this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. This was pretty fun. <laughs> thank you so much Absolutely. for having me. And let's do this again soon, you know? Why not? More Revolt Black news after this. Revolt Black News. It's your guy once again, Rodney Bakai. Now this time I'm here for a special label spotlight as we talk about representation here at Revolt. We want to make sure we talk about it across a myriad of industries. So today we have an owner of a Black-owned record label, which is always the way to go in my estimation. He is the founder and CEO of Right Hand Music Group, 
and a damn good brother, Courtney Stewart. My guy, what's good? What up, bro? How you going? I'm solid, man. The last time I saw you and spoke to you was the summer. There was this pandemic going on. I can't tell if yeah. we're in or out of the pandemic at the moment, but have you been well? Have you been safe? All the things? Yeah, man. God is good. I've been, you know, laying low, um, you know, just working, man. I, I think this has been a perfect time to, you know, just trying to find a positive out of it. It's been a perfect time to really just like, z like zone in on stuff that, that you're passionate about and, um, and get focused, man. So that's all I've been doing, man. It's, it's been, it's been working and family. That's it. So I want to talk to you about the record label, man. As I said before, I think it's imperative that ownership is, uh, is something that we have in music, you know, far too often we're giving away our, our, our gold, you know, our oil, which is our, which are our creation, um, to these people who don't necessarily appreciate it. So right hand music group being a black owned label that focuses on artist management, artist development and marketing. Can you tell us about the different pillars that you guys have going on and what makes right hand so special? Um, I, I think one of the things that you named, um, artist development, I, I think that's what makes us a special. And um, that's like a lost art form from the music business because as as the business model has changed and it's become more of a of a of a internet you know business and social media business with them with those outlets being drivers, um, a lot of artists just kind of pop up out of nowhere and 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 labels are now becoming more research driven, which I don't like. Um, you know, they're, they're just trying to find what's hot on the Internet and they're, they're, they're looking for acts that are signed, sealed, ready to go. You know, I put the time into to build real careers because I, I want my acts to be around for, for for 10 to 15 years or longer. And when you when you create careers, I think that's what separates you from the rest of the pack. As it relates to like this thing that we live and we love, right, this culture. Like, yeah, we live it and love it, we create it, but there are still shot callers who are not from our community. There are, there are uh, people who make final decisions who are not a part of our culture and community. So when you're dealing yeah. with these people who don't really have an understanding of what the nuances are within our community and culture, how do you navigate that, man? Like, how do you look at this white guy who probably never heard a Wu-Tang album, never heard an Outkast album, and really like internalize what he's saying and respect it? Yeah. I think they respected part, you know, like they, they sometimes like they, they've heard of it, but they, they don't, they, they don't respect it. You know, they haven't lived it in the, the, the way that we have. And I mean, it's, it's sad that we have to, you know, fight for a seat at the table, but guess what? We've been fighting our whole life. Just, yeah. just the truth, the truth of what it is. Women, you know, um, black women in particular have been, been fighting, fighting their whole life, you know, um, the um, LBGQT community, you know, f fighting their whole life. So, you know, um, when you look at, you know, white men who run all of these record companies that run the billion dollar corporations in America, yeah. um, they, they, they don't have a, a connection to, to what the rest of the world is going through. It's important that we come together because, oh, you know, like, 100%. yeah, because, you know, it's it's the divide and conquer method. You know, they 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 every they want us to compete against each other. It's like, yo, you know, this label or this manager, y'all don't need to be cool. Y'all compete against each other. But it's the beauty of us coming together because 
those power, you know, number numbers and powers, you know, and when, when you can have all the, you know, when you got Hove and, and, and Puff doing amazing things together, man, I, I'm so proud of Hove, you know, just with, he's starting off the year with two bill, you know, multi-billion dollar deals. Like that's, 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 that's black power. That's, you know, and, and, and what Puff is you know, being able to do, even with Revolt, you know, having a platform, you know, that's, that that's owned, curated, you know, by a black man. That's man. That that's what we need to come together. But you have twelve years in this business, okay? You began your career as a manager. Uh, you manage artists and producers. Why did you decide this path? Like, what what is what does your position mean to you? Man, actually, it's been a little longer than twelve. Um, two thousand and five. I want to. I want to age you. <laughs> I mean, you know, just giving it real. And I want. I want to shout out. Um a really close friend and, and a person that, um, that, that I respect and gave me my, my opportunity is Bobby V, Bobby Valentino. Um, the first artist that I managed, you know, in 2005, um, I was, I was actually more of a creative and, you know, I, I was, I wanted to, to rap, produce, you know, and, and I was, you know, I was deep at it, you know what I'm saying? But he's the person you know, that, that set me down and said, man, why, do, why don't you focus on this? And, you know, and, and, and really gave me that opportunity. And, you know, when, when I saw the game from a different perspective, that's when I was able to, to really go out here and build relationships and network and learn every aspect of the game, because it's not just about making records. You need to know the publishing side of the business, you need to know the licensing side of the business. You need to, you need to know, the, the, the radio side of the business. Now you need to know the streaming side of the business. You need to know, um, I talk to lawyers every day. I, I honestly feel like if I took the bar, I, I, I'm a pass, you know, because I, under, I understand law, you know, now because I, you know, I talk to lawyers every day and it, it's so many different um, facets to this business. And I took the time to learn every area to be able to be complete as an executive. What's something coming up that you were maybe too naive to know, but now you're fully aware of it and you wish your younger self would have been aware of it sooner? How much this business changes. Um, it's never going to stay the same. It's going it's to continue to, to, to change. There are going to be seasons where this business is different. Um, when I was coming up, you know, managing Bobby V, um, it was all about, uh, physical uh, product, CDs, and you know, radio was a big driver. Um, yeah. But now it's the business is totally different. It's streaming, and you know, um, Bobby has had a a, a really great career. Uh, but the big change with Bobby was all right when when CDs went out and Napster came on board. Then everybody started going to social media, and so I think you know young executives and even for myself we need to be more forward thinking because yes streaming is is popping now and social media is popping now but i guarantee you in the next in the next decade it's going to be something else and we want to be on the forefront of that we don't want to have to play catch up brother courtney man i appreciate your time and thank you for all the valuable advice that our viewers will certainly internalize and apply to their life because we don't just listen to gems we apply them so that we can be better for having heard them, all right? I wish you much success and continued wellness in these times for yourself, but also your company, Right Hand Music Group. Love and light, my dog. Ebony, back to you. 
All right, now to wrap us up, we want to stick with today's conversation about representation. And since so many of you watching are young creatives and artists yourselves, I want to take us back to literal representation, like agents and managers. So please, check out this dope platform. Go to diverserepresentation.com. Now on this platform, y'all, you'll have exposure to some of the most credible black managers, black agents, black entertainment lawyers in the business, and many more. Now listen, still do your research. Check out these people. See who's in your network, who's in your circle. Do your due diligence. Check these folks out. Have conversations and make the connection. Because remember, y'all, nobody's going to wait for you to succeed. And if you're sitting around waiting on your own success, that tells me you're not focused enough on doing the work. So get busy. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.